It's Saturday morning. It's 10 o'clock. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And we are here seeking shelter from the chilliness and the air on this first day of spring. But I understand that spring is actually coming very, very soon to a place near you. I hope so. This so, is, this is pretty awful. Although for all the people running out in the, the uh, beaches area this morning... I have to think that was quite a relief not to be hot and humid. That one's downtown. Oh, is that downtown? Yeah. I thought they used to finish up the start around Mayo and no, all that. No, that's the Donna. Oh, that's the Donna. That's yeah. right. I kind of gave myself away as a non-runner there, didn't I? You overslept again this morning? Yeah. yeah meant to go. Like most of us. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sure they all had a good time. I, can you imagine running on some of those bridges in the wind, though? <laughs> it does. Yeah. makes you chilly just to think about it. Anyway, uh, back to business here. If you are um, new to the show, try to stick around. And, of course, if you're a regular, we you know we appreciate it because you're always there. We will have a lot to talk about today for sure, including a sort of ho-hum, humdrum in the market, nothing to write home about until you couple it with last week and figure out that the two-week average was really nice. It's still pretty good. Yep. Yeah. So things are moving along. There's a lot of... Um, a lot of headwinds developing. More things are being discovered. People are waking up. And we'll talk about a lot of those things today. It, it, it's always something. But the bottom line is that um, the country is slowly recovering from our long national nightmare. More and more states are opening up. More and more businesses are opening up. And I just I think it bodes very well for the balance of this year. After which we'll have to talk because I can't guarantee you how long this is going to last, but I kind of like it right now. It's sort of fun out there. Anyway, for the week, we didn't have any positive numbers, but nobody got killed either, right? No, it was, uh, it was in my, by my definition, this is not a universal definition. My definition is less than 1% is flat. Uh, that's how I tend to look at it. And mm-hmm. so all the numbers were uh, fell, but they were all less than 1%. So pretty much a flat week. Um, we did see some fluctuation during the week. There was uh, a couple of up days and a couple of down days, and then a couple of mixed days where one index was up and the other ones were down. So just kind of all over the place this week. Um, it's It's been really interesting to see the NASDAQ sort of depart from the S&P and the <laughs> Dow. Uh, and to some degree, the Dow depart from the S&P and the NASDAQ on certain days. So, I don't know which one's more interesting. I mean, if you went back through the last five years and did the research, I would say that 90% of the time, the three indexes move more or less in unison. Strongly correlated. Yeah, and, and, and recently that hasn't been the case. So uh, a lot of that has to do with interest rates and those pesky interest rates that just won't do what the Fed wants them to do. Uh, And despite the Fed's pledge to keep interest rates uh, tied to zero through 2023, which I have to insert makes absolutely no sense in my opinion. No. Uh, But that is what they said. Economic policy out that far. No, it's crazy. crazy. Especially when you're talking about keeping things near zero. That, That would be like forecasting the weather for the Olympics coming up. If you... I think it would make a lot more sense if you were at 4% and you're saying that we're going to keep it plus or minus a half a percent. Okay, yeah. that I buy. Sure. But at zero, uh, that just, I don't get it, especially when things are looking as good as they are today. I think it's maybe a simple explanation that would be so easy that you could overlook it. Tell them what they want to hear. 
it's partially that it's partially political it's partially they don't want to look dumb by going back on what they said a uh, half a year ago i i think there's a lot of things that play into that uh, but the end result is that it just doesn't make a lot of sense and the market is agreeing with that the 10-year treasury hit 1.7 percent this week an increase of more than 70 percent in 2021 alone we're not even a full quarter into 2021, and the and rates are up 70%. Um, on March 1st, the rate was 1.4%. So, I mean, we've come up just in part of March, 0.3%. Uh, the climb just won't stop. Tech stocks have really borne the brunt of the concerns on interest rates, on future cash flows, and the big names are starting to look pretty attractive. Um, if you look at Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, they're trading around – 2018 valuations right now based on the pullback we've seen so something to take a look at i'm not going to go out and go out and say it's a buying opportunity today but at some point if this trend continues it will be we're closer to one than we were a couple of weeks ago in fact tech is about the only thing that looks attractive right now to mm-hmm. me uh, a lot of them have um come out so most uh, sectors are in overbought territory even after the slight fall this week and tech stocks have already declined to neutral or oversold territory so a little bit more attractive than the rest of the market right now mm-hmm. markets fell this week but it was it was less than what you might have thought if you followed the trading through the week it felt like a pretty bad week no we set really a few wasn't. records in the middle of the week yeah but they were kind of what quiet i guess and there were no big bells going off oh yeah a new record right i i think also because it wasn't all three indexes at right. the same time exactly. that had a, played a part in it um the dow ended up just off half a percent the s&p and nasdaq fell 0.8 percent it was a similar story across the across the globe with china india australia and most european markets pulling back a bit china has been stuck in a pretty solid downtrend since january and it just won't reverse China and Hong Kong are the only countries whose markets are trading at less than 20 times trailing earnings per share right now. So uh, just to show you how how severe the downtrend has been in China since January. Really interesting because it it was a solid run-up after the election with the thinking being that Biden wouldn't be very tough on China. Um, So they (laughs) proved that true, didn't we? Well, and you just know that he's not going to be as tough as Trump. Trump was extremely hard on China. I mean – to a degree that it was uh, it maybe even over the top. And you just know that Biden wasn't, even if he is going to be tough on China, it's not going to be to that level. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're dragging Australia with them too. Yeah, and I'm wondering how much of that is damage that was already done to their supply chains uh, uh, for international companies during the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. Is some of that irreparable for, for China? I, I don't know. Possibility. Yeah. Well, the Fed chair did say that they would not be raising interest rates. They also raised economic forecasts at the same time. According to their models, GDP is now expected to be 2.4% higher at the end of 2023 than previously thought, and unemployment is forecast to be below 3.5%. Additionally, inflation will be higher than expected. That was what they said this week. Mm-hmm. So all of those things would say we might have to raise rates, but no, no. they will not. Um but typically, when you combine better economic forecasts with no in, with uh, with inflation, that's a, that's a reason to raise rates. So they're they're really in a conundrum right now. Um, the uh, several countries around the world have taken a different look at this, and they're already hiking or looking at hikes in 2021. Brazil hiked their rates by a larger than expected three quarters of a percent this week. 
Taiwan is considering a hike. Norway said they will probably have a hike in 2021. And Turkey had a larger-than-expected hike this week. And Russia also delivered a surprise rate hike. So it's interesting to see other countries hiking rates prior to the U.S. even admitting that they'll do anything before 2023. And there's got to be a reason why that's all going on. Now, normally, that reason is good news. It is typically good news. I think a little of it is extricating themselves away from the negative interest rates, coming up closer to zero or maybe a little bit positive. We, Adam and I have been calling for this on this show for years and years and years. Get the rates up. I think Please. we have enough oomph in the economy right now that we could handle a rate increase and then savers would start to get rewarded. Now, we're going to have to take a quick break. By the way, if anybody's listening on the Internet and it's raspy, we're working on it. We know that there is a problem with the Internet, but the AM and FM versions are both very good. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is the Van Wee Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And I have been informed by my crack research department that the Internet is now sounding much better. Thank you. So... Apparently, the squeaky wheel found a, an oil can somewhere, and things apparently are good. And I'm sure she'll let me know if it if it goes back again. But our sledgehammers work fine. <laughs> yeah, so you, you took a gun to the knife fight and fixed it, huh? Just had to break a few kneecaps. No big deal. <laughs> so it goes. All right. Um, you want to wrap up anything else on the market for the week? Yeah, I had a couple other things. Good. I want to talk a little bit about the economic data. It really bucked the trend this week and had a lot more misses than beats. So it was more negative than what we thought. The week started off pretty well with four of the first five reports beating expectations, but the rest of the week was pretty much all misses. The only other bright spot came at the end of the week, and it was a really big one, the Philly Fed report. Mm. The estimate was for a reading of 23.3, but the actual came in at 51.8, more than double the last reading of 23.1. So a huge, huge beat. That's a, an indicator of future business conditions. Right. The reason for this surge was that the readings in several categories, including inventory, employment, work week, delivery time, and prices paid, were all in the top 5% of readings for the history of the report. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a really, really strong report uh, out of Philly. So that's really good news. I think it corresponds with the that area of the country starting to open up. Um, that probably has something to do with it. Uh, one number that disappointed this week was the initial jobless claims, which were expected to come in at 700,000, which would have been the lowest reading since the start of the pandemic. Instead, they actually rose to 770,000, which was the highest reading since early February. Continuing claims showed a different story. These actually fell to 4.124 million, the lowest level of the pandemic. Uh, It missed expectations, but it still continued the longer-term trend of declining uh, continuing claims. So There was a uh, lot of noise in the numbers, too. Yeah. Brought to you by last month's snowstorms and that sort of thing. That is true. Retail Uh, just stunk it up. It actually didn't, though. I disagree. If you, what, it, it, that number did. The headline numbers. Exactly. Yeah. But retail was fine, thank you. uh, That's what I was just going to talk about. The headline number was really bad. Sales fell 3% month over month. The problem with that report is that it followed one of the strongest reports on record which was then revised up. Uh, so Janu- and, and by a lot. January's report was originally uh, a fi- that it had increased from uh, December to January by 5.3%. 
That number was revived up to 7.6% increase month over month for last month. And so that means the average growth in retail sales in the last two months has been 2.2% per month. That's a pretty incredible number. So if you take a two-month average of the retail sales, it actually looks very, very good. And stimulus checks just came out, so I expect next month to be possibly even better. Absolutely. It it illustrates the dangers when you have artificial cutoff dates for numbers like every month on Mm -hmm. the same day, that sort of thing, because really what what you really want to look for is trends, and that goes right back to what you were just saying about unemployment. The continuing claims for unemployment are continuing their way down. Now, let's see, Oklahoma, I think, opened up this past week or two, and I don't know. Alabama, I don't know. There were, there were a couple other states, and there's some others that are easing some of the restrictions, and I think they're going to recall Gavin Newsom and things like They've that. They've got so, two million signatures now, I believe. Yeah, so I think that will be making those people think about doing something a little differently. California is sort of important with 40 million people. It's the and, it's a huge part of the economy. Yeah, there's something like the 11th largest economy in the world among countries. Mm-hmm. So as goes the California economy, certainly goes the trend with the national economy. So even though I disagree with every single thing that's going on in Washington, D.C. right now, I think there's so much built-up, pent-up demand and, and people wanting to go back to work that it's going to take the rest of this year for the bad news to work its way in. Yeah, I haven't looked up the number, but just think about the impact of business travel starting up again. Yeah. I mean, what? how many billions of dollars are spent every year on business travel that haven't happened in the last year? But look at airline bookings. Just in the past couple mm-hmm. of weeks, airline bookings are rising tremendously. And not only that, but the people who are doing vacations now are starting to do the Google searches on things like flight times and places. So the whole the whole pattern of what's been going on through the pandemic is starting to change. People are fed up with being cooped up, I guess. And I think you're going to see an awful lot of things change in the next few weeks, especially. So if we can get out of this thing, plus the, the intelligent minds on the COVID problem are starting to talk about the two types of immunities, the ones that you get by getting shots and the ones that you get by recovering from the disease. And they're starting to add those numbers together thinking, you know, we're going to be at herd immunity a heck of a lot faster than the lunatics that some of the uh, health asylums, I mean, health associations are talking about. Which if, I mean, so our, our, some of the research that we, that we look at had already predicted this month Absolutely. ago and, and was pretty, pretty, confident that we'd be looking at herd immunity by the summer and now it's looking more and more like that is the case and maybe some of these health types should maybe get together with some of these economists and talk at some point i that said there are some things going on out there that are just so egregious and one of the ones that caught my ear and eye this week Ford just announced that a $900 million project that was going to be built in the U.S. is going to Mexico. Why? Because they don't have to fear a phone call from Donald Trump ripping their eyeballs out anymore. So all you uh, folks that were going to be employed in that one, you better reconsider your loyalties pretty soon. Well, all right, taxpayers. I know I'm talking to a few of them right now, Mm -hmm. I would think. 
Good news, bad news, and caution. The good news, April 15th, you do not have to file your tax return. As usual, you wouldn't have to anyway because you could actually file an automatic extension. But the new date is May 17th. It would be May 15th because we got a month extension. But that happens to fall on a Saturday, so it is customary for IRS to go to the first available day after the weekend that the original date would fall on. So it's now May 17th. But unlike last year when we had a July 15th date, you did not have to pay in anything you owed for the year before. You did have to do your quarterlies, but not your first one. The first one was delayed. They were all due on July 15th. You owe on April 15th this year any amount that you're going to owe for last year. That was not extended. I had to do quite a bit of research to find the truth about that, but it was not extended to May. Your return, yes. So if you want to get a little bit complacent, go ahead, but don't get real complacent. Those of you who file quarterlies, that is going to be due on April 15th. So you got last year and the first part of this year that you have to pay for, even though most of you will not have a clue how much you're going to owe because you have other people prepare your returns. My suggestion, pretend we didn't get a delay, get it done, and stay out of trouble. Yeah, it just doesn't. There's no real benefit. If you have to pay anyway, who cares? You can't even do – there is one safe harbor you can do. There are two ways to do a safe harbor, and all that means is you paid in enough money not to get penalties and interest on the money. You can pay in 110% of last year's liability or 100% of this year's. Now, you probably don't have an exact number for last year's liability, and you probably don't have an exact number for this year's. But I think if you took a really good estimate of last year's tax liability, and that means all you actually paid, not what you paid in, but what you paid or will pay, and take 110 or maybe 115 or 20% of that and make sure that much is paid in, you will probably stay out of trouble. So this is a rather inconvenient way to do exactly what they were trying to do. Now, there's another little catch in there for those of you who might not happen to be in Florida. Not all the states have adopted the same extension. So if you want to know what state your state is in, so to speak, you can look it up. But if you're in Georgia, for instance, that does have an income tax, I would check by going to the Georgia Department of Revenue and see if they've done it. There are about a half a dozen states, maybe more, even maybe 10, that have extended their deadlines already at least to May 17th, some of them even longer. There's about another 8 or 10 that are talking about it. And one of the problems, of course, was this just happened at the federal level, and not all state legislatures are in session right now, so they can't just mandate that we'll do it, but they can say, okay, we're going to take it up as soon as we can get everybody together. So if you have to file state income tax, um, know that there's a possibility that you could get caught short on this thing. Probably won't. But again, my advice to everybody out there is very simple. Do them as soon as possible. Why would you want that hanging over your head anyway, right? All right, I did not give out the um, trivia question. Yep, my bad. Brought to you, as always, by Ken Bales at First Coast Alarm. Call Ken at 904-636-7888. 
You know about people moving from state to state for various and sundry reasons. One of the best barometers is the price of a U-Haul. It costs $1,085 to take a 26-foot U-Haul from Austin to San Francisco. What does it take to drive that same 26-foot U-Haul from San Francisco to Austin, Texas? I'll give you a leeway within a couple hundred bucks. Yes, and it's a little higher. Uh, you got to be thinking where your priorities would be. All right, we'll pay some bills and be right back. This is the Van Lee Financial Hour. Welcome back to the Van Lee Financial Hour. I'm Steve Van Lee. And I'm Adam Van Lee. Lines are open, 904-222-8255. And I'll repeat the trivia question if you're just tuning in. It will cost you, uh, tw- for a 26-foot U-Haul to drive from Austin to San Francisco, U-Haul will charge you $1,085. If you drive that same 26-foot U-Haul from San Francisco to Austin, what will U-Haul charge you? Good morning, Mike. Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. How is everybody? Oh, absolutely wonderful. And you? Oh, hanging in there. Good. What's cooking? Uh, nothing much. Uh, just uh, interested in the debate on the financial channels between uh, what might prevail uh, between value or growth stocks. <laughs> yeah, there uh, seem to be some mixed feelings about that, don't there? Absolutely. But in any case, uh, I'm going to take a crack at your interesting question. Shoot. Okay. Uh, I would say considerably higher. You would uh, be right. And I'm going to say somewhere around, well, I'm going to 59.57. Whoa, great number. It's just a little too high, though. Gotcha. But your thinking is good. I, All right. I'm I, curious I keep why thinking, it's so much higher going that way. <laughs> yeah, well, I keep thinking there's a business in here somewhere. You know, they, somebody trying to get a truck from one place to the other and picking up some cash for it. I don't know. It seems to okay. me like there's there's got to be some way that some entrepreneur can, can do some uh, leveraging of services in here. We'll see. Yes. All right. I'll be interested in the answer. Well, you, Enjoy the show, like always. Have a great weekend. Th- thank you. You did get the bracket okay. going for everybody else. All right. Uh, I wanted to quickly bring up one thing that um, just happened, and it, it probably doesn't even apply to many people, except we know that our audience is so much bigger than it was a couple of years ago. But if you, you, you probably know someone or have at least heard of someone who had a problem with identity theft. And one of the times of the year when this becomes really rampant is right now, where people will discover that they've had identity theft the very hard way. They'll file a tax return, and they'll hear back from IRS saying, well, I'm sorry, you already filed, and we already sent your refund. We know several people we this have has had, happened to. Yep, many. Well, a few years ago, IRS developed something they call the IP PIN, the the identity protection pin, strictly for the IRS. And they initially allowed three residents of three places to get one. Those three places would be Washington, D.C., Georgia, and Florida. Well, why do you think that they chose those three? Because that's where the theft was rampant. So we've been able to get one. They also said anybody in the country who has been a victim of identity theft is also okay now to get an IP from the IRS. Well, now, just this week, they announced that it's actually announced a little sooner, but I just found out 
anybody in the country now can get an IRS IP pin, as they call them. Just go to irs.gov and put in an identity protection or IP pin or something like that. Now, what what it means is that nobody can file for you because they not only have to have your name and Social Security number, now they have to have your pin. You will have to apply for a new pin every year. But I'm here to tell you from our personal experience, when people come and see us and tell us that they filed and got rejected because somebody else had already filed for the refund, not one of them has been very happy about it, and not one of them got it fixed in a couple of days either. It is a big, bad problem. You can prevent it, so do it. And if you have any questions about it, email us through our website at vanwefinancial.com. The uh, the the process is really easy. I've used it for years now, okay. and uh, it's really no more complicated using the pin than it is not using the pin. Exactly. So. It works. All right. Who am I? <clears throat> he said. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't been listening recently, I've been doing a new segment on the show about realizing the American dream. Uh, most of these people uh, experience some luck in their life, but but their success really came from a great idea and an incredible work ethic. Jack Nicholas always said, the more I practice, the luckier I get. It's so true. Um, and, and so I'm looking at people that grew up in either normal or poor backgrounds and uh, really made it big. So 100 million plus fortunes. Um, this particular millionaire was born into a middle class African-American family in 1969 in Hollis, Queens. He didn't have it quite as rough as some of our other millionaires, but he didn't have it easy either. His parents were divorced when he was 10, and he's dyslexic, so the good life wasn't a guarantee for him. He enrolled in a school program that allowed him to work for a week, then go to school for a week, which he credits for developing his interest in entrepreneurship. When he graduated from high school, he waited tables at Red Lobster and then formed a van service to shuttle uh, people around New York before discovering his true passion, the fashion industry. Working out of his mother's basement, the young entrepreneur started his clothing company called FUBU, or For Us, By Us. The company targeted young, urban, African-American males, but quickly found more broad appeal. With a few friends and some sewing lessons from his mom, they began producing hats to sell at concerts and festivals. Apparently, that went pretty well because before too long, he and his mother took out a $100,000 mortgage for seed capital to kickstart their business. From hats, the company expanded into T-shirts, and that led to putting their logo on hockey jerseys. They sent these jerseys to rappers to wear in their videos, which led to a bunch of product placements in, in music videos. Because of that move, stores started calling the company to request their product be sold in their stores. Makes it a lot easier when the companies are calling you. No kidding. Their biggest win came when LL Cool J, an old neighborhood friend of this entrepreneur, agreed to wear a FUBU hat in a Gap commercial and use the line for us, by us in a rap video. This led to a ton of new orders, but they lacked working capital to supply them. His mom ended up taking out a second mortgage on the house to, to fill some of these orders, and but they didn't have enough to to, to, to satisfy everything, so they started going to banks. They were turned down by over 30 banks, and they, they were running out of money. They used their remaining money to take out an ad in the New York Times, which resulted in a deal with Samsung Textiles that allowed them to fill their remaining orders. 
Fubu has now done more than six billion in global sales. In 2009, this entrepreneur received a call asking him to join the cast of Shark Tank. Now, in its 11th season, this entrepreneur has invested more than 8.5 million of his own money in ideas pitched on the show. The main passion of this entrepreneur is teaching other young people how to be entrepreneurs, specifically people from tougher backgrounds, young African American kids, or minor- other minorities. He co-founded the program Next Level Success to teach entrepreneurship to young people. He was named by President Obama as an ambassador to promote underserved entrepreneurs. On Shark Tank, he agreed to be a mentor to 15-year-old Mo Bridges, the owner of Mo's Bows. Mo's Bows recently signed a seven-figure deal with the NBA and are sold in Neiman Marcus stores. In addition to all that, Damon Johns is also a New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling author, he has won numerous awards for his business acumen. He has accumulated a net worth in the $300 million range, and at the young age of 52, he is a highly sought-after motivational speaker. Not bad for a dyslexic kid from Queens. Not bad at all. Yeah. $300 million. $300 million. I could live on half of that. <laughs> I think yeah. I could, too. <laughs> My goodness. And, it, again, it's one of those guys that is probably better known in certain areas than he would be just for somebody off the street like me i think shark tank has made him pretty well known because a ton of people watch that show he's very popular he comes across as a really nice guy yeah, and I, uh i don't really watch sincere. It, it, this is you know shame on me perhaps but i just can't stand mark cuban i'm not a fan of cuban either but but damon is actually one of my favorites he's 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 he just has a good uh demeanor about him hundred grand and when he when he needs when he absolutely needs a bank he found out what I've known all my life. Don't ever need a bank because that's when they Never. won't give you money. Always have plans B, C, and D because the bank will not work with you until you can absolutely, positively, beyond any doubt, prove to them that you don't need the money. <laughs> it's so true. Do they all read from the same playbook? They have absolutely no discretion in the matter. I understand that the regulated from top to bottom and all that but it just makes my point more and more soundly that never ever need one it's in steve's 10 rules of personal finance which i'll do again one of these days i usually do it every 12 to 18 months updated a little bit for whatever's going on all right i got some things about bidenomics after the break don't go anywhere we'll be right back this is the vanway financial hour Welcome back to the Van Wee Financial Hour. This is Steve Van Wee. And I'm Adam Van Wee. And we are about to oh, spread some bad news, perhaps. But first, the uh, trivia question. It costs, from U-Haul, to drive a 26-foot truck from Austin, Texas to San Francisco, $1,085. What does the same truck cost to drive the other direction? And we know... 5,957 is too high, and we know it's bigger than 1,085. All right. This week, some really crappy things happened, apparently. Wall Street, Washington, D.C., some individual investors, and a whole bunch of Biden voters discovered something that they had no idea about. He intends to raise our taxes. What? I am not making this up. Who knew? I had no idea. Uh, me neither. But here's the story. He uh, also 
might be raising him on a few more people than you were led to believe if you were paying attention to the promises that were made about raising your taxes. See, I don't. I disagree with this because I I assume that what has come out was what he meant. Well, there were an awful lot of people shocked by it. We'll put it that way. I am like you. I was not shocked by it. Yeah. When he said, "If if you make four hundred thousand under four hundred thousand, we won't raise your taxes." Now, Adam thinks like I do. That means if you're filing individually, it's four hundred thousand. If you're filing jointly, it's four hundred thousand. Yeah. You know the marriage penalty is awfully severe in this country. It anyway. is. It, it's well, it's less severe than it used to be, but it sounds like it's going to get worse. Yeah. So. They they get rid of it. And it comes right back. Yeah, it always does. Now, I could make the argument one way or the other on both. If, if you're both making 200 grand and you're both paying Social Security, but the second 200 grand is on top of the first 200 grand for federal taxes, that means your bracket's way up there. That's the thing that I think ought to be eliminated. But I digress. It turns out he meant 400,000. And a lot of people thought, well, that'd be 800,000 if there's a couple each making four. Well, I never really, and Adam never really would have thought of it that way. A lot of people in the media certainly did. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that that's sincere, though, because uh, he was pretty clear. It's four hundred thousand, and and that was yeah. always the number. He said it repeatedly during the campaign. Yeah. I, I just assumed it would be that. It's also a lie, but I'll get to that. <laughs> Fair enough. What's the quickest way to raise your taxes for everybody? Quickest way? Uh-huh. Um, repeal the Trump. Tax breaks, cuts. What's the second quickest but the easiest? I don't know. I'm testing them here. Don't do anything because they expire in 2026. But that's – he's not even going to be in office, so that's not – No, but that's how you get it done. But I don't think he no, cares. No, they want money now. That they do, and they'll get it. But anyway, as I say, I digress. What's to raise the top rate back to 39.6? Excuse me. <clears throat> and that – that rate, which was cut down to 35, I believe, mm-hmm. only impacts the really high earners. Now, th- this article, I took it out of Yahoo this morning, and it, all of you who were Seinfeld fans, you remember the character called Newman inside Seinfeld? Newman. Yep. When Jerry spoke his name, it was always Newman. Well, when I see an article in Yahoo Finance by Rick Newman, I read it that way mentally. <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he has me, though. i got to give him credit for this. I always read his articles because I'm looking for the dumb stuff in there. <laughs> and, and this guy could not be a bigger polar opposite than I am, I'm sure. But anyway, he says that uh, he, he was one of the ones surprised by the $400 or $400,000 thing. But uh, he says Congress is beginning to draft infrastructure and green energy legislation now, which coupled with the recent $1.9 trillion, is going to take us up around 4 5 or $6 trillion, and they have to, quote, pay for it. Well, you can't pay for anything because you can't get up to what we used to spend. So all the new stuff is new debt coming up. But that's that's kind of technical, I suppose. But now he, he says... The top marginal rate kicks in at incomes around 518, and wealthy Americans, here's the part, didn't really need the tax cut in the first place. Mm -hmm. I hate things like that. That is the stupidest line ever. You tell me, Rick Newman, what I need or don't need, or anybody else, no. No, no, no. 
the rich people have benefited the most from soaring stock and real estate values and their solid support for, ready for this, taxing the rich. Well, I wonder why there's solid support for taxing the rich. <laughs> Jeez. Raising capital gains taxes for people earning over a million. He essentially says the same thing. Well, they don't really need it. But what he does say, which I kind of liked, I give credit where credit's due, is that Chuck Schumer is a wholly owned subsidiary of the rich people on Wall Street, bankers and brokers and so on. And his speculation is it may just not happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not 100% convinced, but I think that that number is not going to be as high as what the proposal is. I think you're probably right. I think there might be an additional rate applied. There's 15 and 20%. Well, actually, there's zero, fifteen, and twenty percent on capital gains now. It might add a new twenty-five rate or something like well, that. Well, I think it's isn't the highest rate actually twenty-three point eight. Well, that, the that, tax. you're talking about the Obama investment tax, right. and that is not going away, as far as I know. But that's not considered a capital gains tax. It's a net investment tax, so it doesn't count in the right. law. It, I know it's a finely tuned thing, but I, yeah, that would take it up, push them thirty again. Anyway, higher estate taxes. The current threshold is around seven million for an individual, six, six and a half, seven, something like that. He wants to drop back to three and a half million. He calls that doable. He didn't say he was for, but he said it was doable. Uh, I just can't see why we have an estate tax. The, the government has no right to tax something that's already been taxed and retaxed and retax. Yeah, at, at least it's tripled taxation and at the worst it's robbing you i mean it's just there's no justification for that in my mind now these next two this is where the rubber hits the road in my economics a higher business tax he wants to raise the current 21 percent to 28 trump lowered it from 35 to 21 and look what happened people money corporations uh, dollars, factories, and so on, just came rushing back, which is exactly what Trump said he was doing it to do. Yeah, and and the and the real real problem with this one is that businesses don't pay taxes, and 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 it's been proven over and That's over. Right. Who pays those taxes? You do when you buy things produced by those businesses. If if a company has to pay more in taxes and tries to maintain their margins, they are just going to pass that on that increased cost of doing business onto the consumer. So who ends up paying for it? Consumers do. Who are consumers? You are. Yeah. Now, on that same front, they want a minimum business tax of 15%. So some companies actually show a profit but don't pay because they use, quote, tax loopholes to reduce the tax they owe. (laughs) Another term I hate. There is no such thing as a tax loophole. They are called provisions of the U.S. tax code, written, passed, and signed into law by the Congress and the president. That's what they call a loophole. Well, I don't buy it. Adam doesn't buy it, and you shouldn't buy it. Now, the, the Secretary re- of the Treasury. Yes, by the me. way, the reason that those businesses don't pay taxes, they're using those profits to reinvest into the business, typically to employ more people to benefit wherever it is that they're doing that investment. There are re- there's a very good reason why companies don't pay taxes. It is not just because they made all this money and they don't want to. Why does Amazon pay no federal income tax? Because they pour 
billions into their infrastructure of their company. How many people do you suppose they hire every year? It's an astronomical number. I don't know. How much money do each of those people pay in taxes every year? A ton. That's Amazon paying taxes. Yep. They just do it the way that it benefits society the most. Well, the uh, erudite Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, now is negotiating nation or worldwide for having a, a minimum income tax, global minimum tax. Yeah, I saw that. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, remember when Hillary Clinton wanted to take the profits away from Halliburton? Forgetting for the moment that Halliburton was a corporation that's from Dubai. <laughs> well, Janet, you can't raise taxes on Ireland. You don't have the authority. This is what's going on up there, folks. That's why I'm a little more worried about last year than this year. But for this year, keep the faith. All right, um, $5,371. It'll cost you to take that 26 Mike was just a little high. Yeah, not much. A thousand eighty-five, five thousand three hundred seventy-one. People are flocking out of there. Come back next week. We'll see you then. This is the Ben with Financial Hour.